<clears throat> I was trying to dig the $100 bill out of my pocket. I'll get it to you later. Cum, cum something. I, I don't even remember. We, I was going through my, t my, um, my college tub, you know, of all the books and all the things that you had from college. And we're going through it, and my mom's like, well, do you want this? I'm like, throw it. Do you want your graduation cap? I'm like, throw it. Do you want your blue cum laude or whatever it is? Throw it. It's like this rope. I'm like, throw it. So apparently I don't hold it in real high esteem. No, it was, it was a great experience. Well, how was everybody? Good. Yeah. Man, I'm so, I'm so blessed. I don't know if it's like when you spend time, like, as the person that's going to share, you spend a little extra time in the Word, it seems like. In the weeks following up, you're like, my God, if I don't get a Word, you know. So you spend a little more desperate time in the Word. But, but it seems like, um, like, man, the worship just has been so powerful. I'm so thankful for not just the talented people that we have, but the people who just are so set on entering and going into the presence of the Lord. Um, people with hearts that just want to go there, you know. And I think there's something special about that. You know, I think, I think at some point in my message I might get there, but I just want to refer to it, um, you know, when, when um, Jacob after he had kind of deceived his brother and his dad, and then it was time for him to get out or he was probably going to die from his brother, uh, he left and he got to a place um, where, he, where he said, okay, here's a good place to stay the night. So he stopped for the night. He found a rock to lay his head on, and he slept there for the night. And while he was sleeping, the Lord showed up uh, to him in a dream and showed him a picture of like a staircase going from heaven to earth. And on that staircase, there were angels that were coming to earth, and then they would go back to heaven. And there was a little more said there, but when Jacob woke up, he goes, surely God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. And so he called the place Bethel or Bethel, and um, <clears throat> meaning the house of God, the house of God the house where God resides and where obviously where a person resides their presence is there and so I've just thought about this place and actually my my mom I don't know that was several months ago I think but she started <laughs> I think I, I don't know if I stopped at home or something my mom was like Steve our church is Bethel <laughs> it's the place where God is it's the house of God and she wasn't just saying, like, here's a good idea, but God was revealing to her, showing, showing her that this is a place where God is. And I'm thankful for it. And uh, it's powerful. So, the place, the house of God, and we get the privilege of being here. And, you know, I'm not just saying, like, well, if, you, if you've gone somewhere else to church or if you go somewhere else to church, God isn't there because he's here. How many know that the Spirit of God lives in us as his sons and daughters? He lives in us where we go, he goes. But Sam was making a point that there is something different. There is something special about when the people of God gather in a place. There is something about that. Yuri... Um, Bender several uh, weeks ago talked about how we are the body of Christ and when we come together and when we are each in our place of the body of Christ there's a different greater manifestation or revealing of Jesus when we when we find our place and I think it's similar when we come together with one mind one spirit one focus uh, and that's to meet with God God recognizes that and he, and he comes in a greater and a different measure. So, as I believe it was Paul, let us not forsake the gathering together. Um, because there is something that takes place when his people gather together. And so we are in the house of God this morning. Amen? Amen. He lives here, and we recognize his presence in this place. And I, 
one of the reasons why I think that is so important because when we recognize that God is in this place, when we recognize that God is at work, that He's here, we make ourselves available to what He wants to do. That's important. When we make ourselves available to what He wants to do, in doing that, we're opening our hearts, saying, All right, Lord, come and do a work. Come and change me. Come and speak to me. Come and address the issues in my heart. That takes recognizing, okay, God is in this place. Because when you recognize, when you recognize that God's in a place, or if you were to go to somebody, say, that had that was of high esteem, you wouldn't show up in your sweatpants and your raggedy t-shirt that you wake up in the morning and put on and, you know, walk around the kitchen scratching places and you know. You you wouldn't go, oh yeah, right, where were, I was gonna go over to, you know, the king's house. Oh yeah. Okay, well, yeah, just grab my keys here and jump in the car and go. Now, I'm not suggesting that when you come to church, you need to, you know, I'm not saying that dressing a certain way uh, on the outward brings, you know, necessarily brings pleasure to God. But we do appreciate when you brush your teeth and you comb your hair and pick the eye boogers out of your We do appreciate that. You get the, you know, pop the zits on the... We're thankful, okay? Thank you. However, what I am saying is, your, what you wear or whatever on the outside doesn't necessarily bring pleasure to the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. But when you come, there is a, an attitude of reverence, an av- attitude of honor, of worship. When, you, when we come into the house of the Lord, when we have that towards Him, it, our hearts are open to Him. And it allows Him to come and work in our hearts. Amen? So, Lord, we recognize that you're in this place this morning. Yes, your spirit lives in us. But we also recognize that we've come into your house. This is just a physical building. But your presence resides here because this has been a place where you've been revered and you've been honored and you've been pursued and you've been worshipped in this place. And we thank you that it's been a place where where many people, including myself, have encountered your presence. We've been changed into your likeness. We've seen you for who you are. So we're thankful for this place. And we approach and we come before you in this place with our hearts open, recognizing that you are Lord, that you are God. You are our Father, but you are Lord, you are God. So we thank you for it. And we ask, Lord, that you'd come and change our hearts. Give us hearts that are soft. Give us eyes that see, spiritual eyes that see. Give us ears that hear and hearts that understand what you want to say and do in us. So we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, would you guys turn with me to Hebrews? Hebrews 12.1. I'm going to try to tie together, you know, last week, Pastor Dave spoke, he, as Sam mentioned, he's at Morris, a uh, church in Morris that we're, we've kind of been connected with uh, relationally, and so he's there speaking. But last week he shared briefly, or he, he, yeah, briefly he shared about how when we receive Christ, there is a guarantee uh, of, about our like eternal, eternal salvation, right? That we receive Christ, that we know that when we die, when we leave this earth, there is, there is a place for us in heaven. And he said, and he goes, he used the word guarantee. And it's a wonderful thing for our hearts to be settled going, I know, I know where I stand with the Lord, that I'm accepted. He goes, but then there's another experience. And that experience is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes, the purpose of that is so that we're transformed, so that we're filled with power, so that uh, we can experience the kingdom of God, and as Dave said it, in the nasty here and now. <laughs> I thought it was funny how he said that, the nasty. Sometimes that's kind of how we look at the world, like, oh, it's, it's nasty everywhere. And he's like, yeah, but we got the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, right? So I just, I thought what he, well, how he talked about that was so wonderful. And then as I mentioned too, Yuri Bender, when he was here, he talked about... Um, how each person has a part. We're each a part of the body of Christ, and we have a role to play. And 
you know, for both of those, I was just thinking about how there's a level of maturity that takes place. Like when we receive Christ, how many know there wasn't anything you did, there wasn't anything I did, it was all about what he did on the cross. It was all about his great love. It was all about how he, you know, went over and above to reach out and come to where we were. It's all about what he did, not about what we did. And that really is a picture of like an infant, right? A little child, what did they do? Nothing. The parents, mostly the mother, did everything. And obviously God created uh, that child in the womb. Um, but did nothing but showed up and how great uh, the love is uh, for that child from the parents. Incredible love, right? And they did nothing. And that's a picture of, of, of us when, when we receive Christ. What did you do? Nothing. Huh? Received. Thank you. You moved on to the next chapter and answered the questions. <laughs> but we did nothing to to uh, deserve his love. It was simply out of his own love he desired. And then, yes, and then it is our responsibility to receive that love, to believe and to receive that love. And, and what, what I kind of always go back to is this picture of how you and I, God's desire for us is that we would grow into uh, the, the spiritual children that he desires. So when I think about like the Holy Spirit, you know, the, Jesus came to die for, for our sins so that we could be born into the family of God. And then he left, and if you remember, all the disciples are like, you're going to leave? What? And he goes, it's better that I leave because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You know, when, <laughs> this is kind of a diss on me, but when I have to, no, when I get to watch the kids at home and Katie's going to go to like a, that wasn't the diss, although that could be too. But when Katie's going to leave and go somewhere shopping or needs to do something, uh, <laughs> the moment she walks out the door and the door shuts, Benji looks at me and goes, I want mommy. I'm like, we haven't even started yet. <laughs> I want mommy. And then he, he doesn't mean wait seconds. And I want, and he gets like this look on his face and I'm like, oh God, you're going to have to help me. <laughs> And uh, usually, usually it doesn't last too long, although there's usually intermittent moments in there where he goes, like, we're doing fine. Also, you look at me, I want mommy. And I'm like, we were, we were fine. So I'm, ima I'm imagining the disciples doing that when Jesus had to leave and they, I want Jesus, you know. <laughs> and Je Jesus is like, I sent the Holy Spirit to live in you. And he's going to, I want Jesus, you know, they... John, John the, the apostle, or not the apostle, John the disciple, as he's laying cuddled up with, you know, with his head on Jesus. I want Jesus. You know, like, sorry, man, you got the Holy Spirit now. That's what I say to Benji. It's you and me, son. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Although the Holy Spirit was a comforter. I, maybe I need to work on that. Comforter. It's going to be okay, buddy. I'm like, she's coming back, Benji. <laughs> What's the big deal? She's gone. She'll be back. Everything will be fine. And he's like, I don't know. I guess the three-year-old can't, like, envision what's coming. I don't know. <sighs> Until he gets older, I just need to be a little more comforting, I think. But my point is that uh, <laughs> I do have a point. The disciples, I, th I think, the disciples were experiencing what spiritual growth looked like, you know? Like Jesus was with them and was going, okay, now do this, now do that, and like holding their hand through everything. And then he goes, now I'm leaving. And you get to grow because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you, he's going to show you, he's going to comfort you. But it's not like somebody physically standing in front of you go, now do this. It wasn't like that. It was, it was here. So they had to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. They had to learn to follow the Holy Spirit, uh, to discern what the Holy Spirit was saying. It took a level of growth. And so that's kind of been, that's kind of what's on my mind as I, you know, as, as, as I share this message, is that God's desire for us 
is that we would grow spiritually. <laughs> I have a lot of, uh-huh. See if we get those by the, by the end of this. <laughs> but it is a wonderful thing. So if you're there in Hebrews 12, we'll start reading. So the previous chapter, uh, for anybody that's kind of read or been around uh, messages or the church, you know that Hebrews 11 is the chapter about the men and women of faith who did great, incredible exploits, right? And, it, and then it says, and they, they have since gone on to be with the Lord. And it, and it also says... Um, It also says at the end of the chapter that the promises and the rewards that God promised to them, they didn't fully see. And they won't fully see until you and I, until you and I walk in the promises that God uh, has promised. So, that's interesting. So anyway, Hebrews 11, the chapter of uh, uh, talking about the men and women, the heroes of faith, and what they did to walk in faith. So he finishes the chapter <clears throat> by saying, And yet they didn't receive all that God had promised, for God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. Then chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew he would have at, uh, that would be his afterwards. Now he is seated in the place of highest honor beside, beside God's throne in heaven. Think about all he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives uh, in your struggle against sin. Now verse 5. Now it's a pretty common verse. I don't think I'm going to touch much on it. Now verse 5. Now verse 5. This one we don't hear much about, but I'm going to talk about it. And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to us, to you, his children? Let me, I'm just going to read that one more time, okay? And have you entirely forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his children? He said, my child... Do not ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. And don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes or corrects those who, ex who he accepts as his children. Is everybody feeling encouraged? <laughs> I usually don't put encouragement and correction in the same sentence too often. He does, though. He does. Remember, we're talking about maturity, spiritual maturity. Keep that in mind. Okay. <clears throat> and then from verse 7 to 9, he talks a little bit, a little bit more about enduring the divine discipline Remembering that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child that was never disciplined? I think I've seen some, but I don't prefer to be around them. <laughs> if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children after all. And then jumping down to verse 10. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in his holiness. 
No discipline is enjoyable, but somehow encouraging. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. Is everybody encouraged right now? It's painful. But afterwards, maybe here's the encouragement. But afterwards, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I can tell you this. I also don't like discipline. (laughs) What I do love What I do love is when my child, we discipline our child, when we discipline our children and I get to enjoy the fruits of that discipline, that there comes a right living, I do enjoy that. And I would go even further to say they enjoy it. They enjoy when there has been discipline and there's been kind of the weeding out or the removing of the things that pull away life from their day, from their life. So he says, the author says, there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way, the way of discipline. So, verse 12, so take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then those who follow you Then those who follow you, though they are weak and lame, will not stumble and fall, but will become strong. And then verse 14, the last one. Try to live in peace with everyone. That's a tall drink right there. And seek to live a clean and holy life, for those who are not will not see the Lord. Or you could say it another way. Those who do, who do live a holy life, will see the Lord. We're going to try to get to all of that. And you're going to be encouraged at the end of this. So, back to um, verse verse 5 there. My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you, and don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Are you loved this morning? He he punishes or he corrects those he accepts as his children. So I was trying to think of an example. And, you know, I've said before that that I do some coaching in Ashby, I coach basketball. So the one example that I came up with that's kind of the most stands out the most because it it was very frustrating (laughs) Uh, it was several years ago we had a lot of players on the basketball team uh, a lot of seniors a lot of you know underclassmen and a lot of talent like it was like season's looking good you know like we're gonna put together a good team and then practice started and it didn't take long to notice that there's this one particular kid a senior. We'll call him Frank, because I don't think there's anybody on the team named Frank. Frank. Frank was a very talented kid. I would say he was probably the fastest kid on the team. Like, if they were to start one end of the court, get to the other, he would probably win when he tried. Fastest kid on the team, very talented, pretty smooth, and I don't think he put much time in. And I think he came from a home that was, you know, kind of well-to-do. <clears throat> so we get going on practice. We started with practice. After a couple of weeks, the coach announces uh, the starting lineup. And he isn't one of them. And it was very obvious to us why he wasn't. Very obvious. Um, but it was very obvious to us as well that he was pretty upset with the decision. And his practice showed it. Uh, And then it came time for games, and he didn't play as much as he thought he should. That was obvious as well by his attitude. (laughs) Couldn't figure out why he wasn't getting more playing time. 
Um, so all of that had been going on. I was frustrated. I'm sure he was. So we had on Wednesday mornings, we have early practice, 6.30, with high schoolers. <laughs> Imagine the frustration and the effort it takes to try to motivate high schoolers at 6.30 in the morning to work hard. <laughs> work hard? Why? <laughs> uh, so everybody, all the guys are trying, you know, trying to pretend to work hard at 6.30 in the morning. And they all do a decent job, you know. Uh, but this one particular morning, this player, I think the frustration had built up. Maybe he was extra tired this particular Wednesday morning. He wasn't even pretending anymore. Literally walking through the drills. Just walking through them. And then we got on to our two-on-two -two basketball, which is supposed to be like challenge each other, make each other better. Jogging is like a generous, a generous uh, adjective to describe how he was playing. It was awful. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I had enough. <laughs> so I just motioned to him. <laughs> he comes walking over, kind of not looking me in the eyes, and I'm looking him right. I'm like, look at him in the eyes, right? Just, just staring at him. And he's kind of doing that thing. So he gets up to me and kind of glancing and then looking away. And I said, and I'm thinking, it's pretty obvious you don't want to be here, but I need to hear it, you know? I need to hear you tell me what's going on. So I said, do you even want to be here? Maybe that was the wrong question. <laughs> Maybe I should have said, what's up? <laughs> what's happening? But I said, do you want to be here? His response, loved it. <clears throat> it was, not really. I might, I might have even done that. <laughs> it took everything I had not to scream at the top of my lungs, get out of my expletive gym! <laughs> took everything within me to not say, get out of my gym. I wasn't the head coach, so I didn't know if I had the right. That was part of it. Uh, I'm not the head coach. Maybe I can't make this call. I was just like, and I might have done this, not sure. Stared at him until he walked away. <laughs> and, you know, even before that, when I tried to coach him or help him with his playing, because I could see his potential. I mean, he was, he was very talented. When I would try to help him, it was pretty obvious that he didn't want to listen because he never did anything I asked him to do. You know, that was pretty obvious. So at this point, not, I don't know if this is like the nature of God. I'm not saying it is. But at this point, I made a decision. He's not my player anymore. And I'm done coaching him. All he heard from me from that point on was an occasional, nice shot. <laughs> it was about that flat, too. Nice shot. But I don't know. Maybe that was wrong. But I decided at that point that he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be coached. Not by me. So I'm done. <clears throat> now, I am thankful, and you should be thankful that I'm not God. Because I know that God doesn't give up on us. Amen? He doesn't give up on us. But my point there is, for him, Frank, for him, the moment that I stopped coaching him should have been a sign, a signal to him, whoa, this guy, this guy no longer considers me uh, worthy or no longer considers me uh, somebody who's, who uh, is worth the time, you know, no, no longer considers me coachable, a player, you know, he's no longer my coach because he's not coaching me. And, you know, when, when, when the, uh, the, the author says this, my child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you. Don't be discouraged when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. His love is seen by his correction, through his correction. If the Lord's correcting you, rest assured, you're his son. You're his daughter. He's your father. Now, I'm not saying the moment that you, that, you know, if there's a moment where you feel like the Lord's correcting you and you're like, 
I don't want to, and you walk away. I'm not saying he's like, I'm done with you. I'm through. I'm not saying that. But I think what happens is we decide to walk away. We, we close our heart to him as a father, and we say, no, I, I think I'm going to handle this on my own. And we know how that goes, right? <clears throat> and you soon find out how that goes. So I'm not suggesting that the moment we don't listen to one of the Lord's corrections in our life, that he just immediately shuts us out and said, I'm through with you. But I actually think it's our heart that becomes hard and actually walks away from him as a father. But, so my point there is when God, when our father is correcting us, you should take assurance. You should take, um, you should have peace in the fact that he's correcting you. Because it means that you're his son, you're his daughter, and he's your father. Feeling a little more encouraged now, aren't you? Just a little bit. So, my next question is, how does the Lord correct us? How does the Lord's correction come to us? Uh, you could turn to John 15 if you wanted to. John 15, starting in verse 1, it says, I am, the, I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So his desire for you and I, again, this is another way of saying it, is that you and I would grow spiritually. That you would grow. Another way of saying that is that you would produce fruit. A growing plant or a growing tree produces fruit. Amen? So there's fruit coming from your life. He desires that, and that's a sign of growth. So he says, he says that he, the gardener, the father, will prune the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And then verse 3, You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. So he prunes our life through the message. Jesus is saying to the disciples, the message I gave you already has already pruned you. So when the, Lord, when the Lord speaks to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, when he speaks to us, his word comes to prune us. It comes to remove those thoughts, those ideas. It comes to even remove sometimes the desires that come with those thoughts comes to remove those so that there's greater fruitfulness. And he does that because he's saying, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I care about you. Right? So we take assurance, we take joy in the fact that our Father is pruning us by his word, which is why it's important to know his word, to spend time in his word. And then it's important to conversate with the Holy Spirit. The one example I was thinking of in, in this regard um, is I think one of the main ways that I've recognized that the, Holy, or that the Lord prunes my life is that when I get into situations, I feel like the Holy, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit brings back scriptures to me. So I'll be in a situation, you know, typically it's with my wife, with my kids, in those contexts with my family, and, you know, maybe there's some friction in the relationship. That happens sometimes, right? Friction, or there's friction with the kids. <laughs> and maybe I respond poorly, or things aren't going how I preferred, would prefer it to. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit comes to me and reminds me of a message that I heard. Reminds me of uh, scripture that I've read. And it's right in that moment. And i got to be honest, sometimes in those moments, that's the hardest time to respond positively and appropriately to the correction or the discipline of the Lord. Very difficult. 
right in the moment, you're still a little bit raw <laughs> about the whole friction, you know? But when I have made the right decision, it's amazing. I don't know if I've read the scripture yet. I think it's actually in James. Let me read this, and I'll try to jump back on that point, because this makes my point. Uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough to save your souls. And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you obey, you are only fooling yourself, for if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your, your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Then God will bless you for doing it. So I did remember what I was saying. In those moments where I feel like the Holy Spirit is bringing correction to my heart, to maybe something I've said or not said, uh, the thoughts in my mind. Um, I've noticed that when I respond properly, and it's hard. Sam, Sam earlier was talking about pride and how <laughs> pride was, was how the whole shebang got started. <laughs> and pride is... Well, I won't say for anybody else, but pride for me, I've realized, is a really big deal. I always thought I was kind of a humble person until I got married and had kids. God said, yeah, I was just waiting for you to get married and have kids, and then I was just going to unload all this on you. Actually, you're not. thought I was patient. Guess not. thought I was humble. Not so much. <laughs> but it's amazing in those moments when, when I find the, the strength, and I think it's always the grace of God, to respond in a way, in the way of humility, you know, to lower myself, to lower my opinions, to, to lower my, just to throw the pride out of the way and say, you know what, I was wrong, you know? Or even if I wasn't flat out wrong, but just say, hey, I didn't respond the right way. It it's amazing, like what James says here, when you look into the law of liberty, the, liber the law that, that, that was designed to set you free. And sometimes it feels like bondage because you're like, well, I don't want to do that. But that's pride. <laughs> and if you let go of that and embrace, embrace what the Holy Spirit's trying to correct you on and, and, and get you to do, like how to respond, it is the law of liberty. It is the law that will set you free. And I can tell you in those moments when I respond, when I choose to change my response and start with like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't do that right. I was wrong. That's hard. I didn't always think that was so hard. Man, that's hard. So difficult. But when I do, as James says, um then God will bless you for doing it. I'm telling you, there's no greater blessing than when we come into alignment with the word of God, the law of liberty, when we submit ourselves to the correction of God, to his correction of a good father. He doesn't correct us by going, yeah, you just kind of ticked me off today and I'm going to strike somebody with sickness or I'm going to break your leg because I'm trying to... That's not how a good father works. That's not how a good father rolls, right? A good father does correct us, but he does it through his word, right? If we choose to go off on our own path and, you know, forget you, God, well, <laughs> if you're going to forget him, you're going to go do that, go do life on your own, and you're going to eat the consequences, right? So, I mean, that, that's kind of a different, different thing. But when we, when we respond to the law of liberty, God's good law of liberty, when we respond to that in those situations, there is no greater blessing. And I, I'm sure you guys have too, but in that moment, even just in that very moment, 
the, the goodness and the blessing that you can experience is like unreal. It's like, how could it be this good this fast? One of the other things as far as like humility, I got to wrap up. My dad's like, long winded. <laughs> One of the other things that, um, like in regards to humility that I, I've, has been wonderful and kind of, you know, kind of like, Ugh. but is that I started apologizing to my, well, he was two at the time, started apologizing to my two-year-old son. I don't got to apologize to my kids. <laughs> I'm the parent, right? <laughs> I'm the dad in here. <laughs> started apologizing to my son. That was, that was, that was, uh, I was going to say humiliate, not humiliating, it was humbling. Get down next to him like, hey, Benji, the way I, you know, the way I kind of raised my voice and got loud, and I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. He's like, okay. It's like, <laughs> like, can I get a, I forgive you or something to clear my conscience? <clears throat> it's amazing how he, like, just, you know, just moves right on, which I think is probably God's grace for parents <laughs> for all the mistakes we make. Quick to forget. But, there's something about that act of humility that I think allows us to receive God, the Lord's correction. Those, those acts of humility position our heart to receive his correction, and then beyond that, allows us, allows us to receive his word. And, and there's another part in closing, I guess. Down in verse 14, so he says... Um, well, let me read this quick. Oh, man, James. So he says, uh, verse 10, But God's discipline is always right and good for us because it means we will share in his holiness. <clears throat> and then in verse 14, For those who are not holy will not see God. And the other way of saying that is those who are will see the Lord. There's something about correction. When the Lord corrects us, when we receive his correction, there's a purifying that happens. His correction sets our heart right. Now, I had a little bit of a, the band can come up. That'll help me shut her down. When I was reading this, I was going, yeah, but what about in the same book of Hebrews, I believe, it says, come boldly into the throne of grace. Come boldly into the throne of grace. But then there's this side where when we receive the correction of the Lord, there's a holiness that comes. And I'm like, but I thought it was all about what Jesus did, dying on the cross, and he made us worthy so we could come boldly into the throne of grace. And the answer is yes. But then his correction uh, creates, creates a, a condition in our heart that can receive what the Lord's saying, can receive what he's wanting to do. It positions our heart to receive it. When we receive, when we submit, when we respond to the correction of the Lord. And so that verse, chapter 12, verse 14, it says that those, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord, or those who are holy, who have, who have been made holy by the correction of the Lord, they will see the Lord. There's something about when our hearts have received correction and it's been made right and it's set aligned to the Word of God, not just to anything, but to the Word of God. It's been aligned to the Word of God and we've received the correction that our, it allows our eyes to see. It allows our eyes to see the Lord. How many of you want to see the Lord?
going back to that, I, I just mentioned it quickly. We didn't read about it, but Jacob, when he when he was on his way to go work for Laban, his like uncle, I believe, he stopped in that place and he laid his head on the on the rock and he had a dream. And then again, after he worked for Laban for many years, and it's so interesting, I'm not saying it was God's correction, I'm not sure, but Laban mistreated him, like again and again, like deceived him. And it was the same thing that, that Jacob had done. He had deceived his brother and he had deceived his father. Like just, you know, maliciously. Maliciously, thank you. Wrong constant. Maliciously. <clears throat> and, and so he leaves. God encounters him on his way to Laban, Laban's place. But then he gets to Laban's, and Laban deceives him several times. And I'm, I, I don't know if that's the correction of the Lord. And I'm not saying, like, tit for tat. And, you know, that's not how God operates. But I do think that after Jacob experienced that, I do think he stood there going, wow, I am a piece of, I am some sort of piece of humanity. You know, having put my brother and my father through that, having experienced that, I think he became aware of, wow, wow, you know? And so then he leaves with his family, and as he's leaving to go back, he gets to the same place, and he sends his family across the river because his brother's coming and he thinks, my brother's probably going to start killing people and it's going to get ugly. And in that moment, after he sent his family across, it says that a man showed up. And when you read to the end of the story, Jacob goes, well, what's your name? And he wouldn't tell him. But then the writer, and I think maybe even Jacob says, that I wrestled with God. God revealed himself on his way to Laban's. He revealed himself. Whoa, God is in this place. He had this dream. He was at Laban's, mistreated, and probably had an experience like, so that's what I'm like. <laughs> so that's what my brother and my father experienced. Man, that's horrible. Leaves the place to go back with, with the desire to make things right with his brother. It says that. He wants to make things right with his brother. On his way back, he encounters the Lord again. His eyes are open, but this time he wrestles. <clears throat> and he names the place, I can't remember the name, but it says uh, something about face to face. I can't remember the name of the place, but he names it where he wrestled with God face to face. When I was praying for this morning, when I was praying for you guys about this morning, I felt like the Lord started making me so aware of how where I am at today is a result of those who have gone before me. When Jacob got to that place, he renewed the covenant that his father and his father's father had made with the Lord. When Jacob got to the place, he said, if you'll take care of me, if you'll give me food and clothes on my back, I'll serve you and you'll be my God. <clears throat> and what I felt like was that there was coming an awareness, a thankfulness, an appreciation for those who have gone before us. And I'm not just talking about like the Apostle Paul and I'm not just talking about those. I'm talking about the people in your life who went before you. Maybe that was a father, a mother. Maybe it was a grandmother, a grandfather. Maybe it was an aunt or uncle. Maybe it was just a pastor, somebody that you weren't related to. People that had gone before you. Maybe it was the person that shared Jesus with you and led you to the Lord. But when, when Jacob got to this place, his eyes could see. And he renewed the covenant with the Lord. 
And he said, now you'll be my God. You're going to be my God now. You're no longer my, my father's father and my father's. No longer are you their God only. You're going to be my God. And I felt like the Lord was bringing, it's almost like his correction brings you in to be his son. Like when we reject his correction, his discipline, we say, no, we don't want you as our father. But when we say yes to it, it's like we become, we're, yeah, we become his sons, his daughters. We already became his sons and daughters, but we give him permission to be our father, to work in our life. And we say, okay, you are my God. So I felt there was this appreciation, this, this honoring that was coming for those who had gone before us. When we stand in this place, We're standing in a place that, that someone once just had a picture of. You're standing in a building that once wasn't here. You're experiencing the love of God, the power of God in a place that once didn't have it. heard the story many times and I'm probably still going to butcher some of the details but my parents were part of a ministry group and there came a time in it where they said hey I think we need to go our separate ways and the conversation went something like well who's going to Ashby I'd rather go to Duluth I'd rather go down south Lanesboro I'd rather I'd rather go anywhere but Ashby but my My parents said, we'll go. I'm living, I'm living in a, in a reality. I'm living in a reality. You're living in a reality that was once just a dream, that was once just a picture that had no flesh on it. Your kids are living in a reality that once was only a picture, a dream in somebody's heart that started in God's heart. And somebody said, I'll take that dream. I'll take all of that dream and I'll make it a reality. And what I felt like God was saying this morning, is there are some of you here today where you said, well, who went before me? Well, there were some. But you might be the first in your family that says, I'm putting my foot down. I'm laying hold of what God has for me. And I'm not backing down or letting up or letting go or quitting until I see the reality of the dream that God's put in my heart and the reality of the promises that he's spoken to me in this word. And you might be facing discouragement. And you might be facing opposition. And you might have voices that are standing against you. But you have to remember, you have to remember there's a reality that God has put in your heart. There's a reality in his heart that is just waiting to become real. This is waiting to take on flesh if you won't quit, if you won't stop. I don't know how that applies to correction. But I felt like God was, man, he just, I just became so aware of the fact that the reality I'm living in, that I oftentimes take for granted, that somebody fought for. They didn't choose the glamorous life. You guys didn't choose the glamorous life. You didn't choose the easy route. Nobody wanted to go to Ashby. 
Thank God somebody said yes. Thank God somebody said yes. Thanks for saying yes. I look at my kids, I look at my wife. I go, where would I be if my parents had said no? Where would I be if they had given up? And there's many others, Stan and Sherry, Linda, there's many others who said yes. And they didn't say yes once, they said it again and again when they stood looking in the faces of opposition, in the circumstances of opposition. And again and again they said, yes, we will follow you wherever you go, Lord. No matter the cost, no matter the opposition. And I believe God is putting that in the hearts of the people in this room this morning. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do. But there is a reality of the fullness of God, of the presence of God, a Bethel that is waiting for you. When Jacob got to that place, he encountered that, and he, the rock that he slept on, he set it up and he goes, this is the place. This is the house of God. Bethel. Surely God is in this place. And there is that waiting for each one of us. And I believe that that is for any person who wants to grab hold of that. But you better not say yes if you're willing to quit. Because there will be resistance. There'll be resistance in your own heart and there'll be resistance all around you. So how is that? <laughs> Thank you. You got anything? <laughs> I'm going to pray for you guys. And as we pray, would you just tune your heart, really turn your focus to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you? I feel like the, I, I, I know the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that there is encouragement in your correction, in your discipline. The encouragement is that those you correct are those who are your sons and daughters. So be encouraged when you're corrected. Don't be discouraged, for he loves you. So Lord, we thank you for your correction. Your correction is, is to make us holy so that we can see you. We thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that there'd be no condemnation no shame attached to the message. God, that we would understand your great love for us and from that place, we would, we would uh, receive your correction and respond to it. And Lord, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit is at work speaking, speaking to us. That you're dropping uh, dreams and visions into hearts. God, you're giving strategies even now of how you're going to work out how you're going to work out your your plan of salvation in each one of our hearts how you're going to establish Bethel in each one of our households and our communities so we thank you for it lord if the prayer counselors would make their way up We're going to dismiss your thank you band for being willing. But if you'd like prayer, any further prayer, these prayer counselors would love to pray with you. If God's, if God's speaking to you right now, working in your life, it's okay to linger a bit. You don't got to hurry out of here.
But Lord, I just bless these people. God, I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. God, I thank you that your kingdom is coming. Your kingdom is coming into their lives and through their lives. God, we thank you that the house of God, Bethel, God, is, is growing, that your glory, your splendor is growing. So we just thank you for it. We have open hearts, open ears. Give us eyes to see. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you'd like prayer, the team is here. Uh, otherwise, we've got snacks or refreshments in the back. You can hang around in here, hang around there. God bless you guys. Have a great week.